If you found yourself at tonight's show, you've probably listened to an episode of the Big Mood podcast. If you haven't, you might be curious, what does Big Mood even mean? Jennifer did a great job explaining this in season one, episode one. So I'll let her tell you. Okay, I'm going to say a big mood is kind of like something I relate to. So let's say I'm in the hallway and I'm just minding my own business and I see a freshman like fall on her face, him or her face. That's a big mood because I, I just relate to that. Like falling on your face, being embarrassed during school and stuff is just a big mood. Big Mood is a podcast about teenagers for everybody. The podcast gives them a space to speak and to be listened to by a larger audience, which is a place teenagers don't usually find themselves in. Big Mood has given students the opportunity to talk about things they're passionate about, things like social media. People get influenced by, and I think that people that are hating on social media um, just don't follow the right people, because all of the things that you follow on social media or see on social media is in your hands. Space. In a world that doesn't believe in global warming, support science. And travel. It's awesome to come abroad to learn everything or like a lot of things about a different culture. Mm -hmm. We've even covered tougher topics like school safety. I mean, we're kids. We don't, we don't deserve this. We deserve to be in a safe environment where we don't feel like we are not safe and yeah. not protected. Politics. The time, but when you have these deep-rooted prejudices and biases, it almost becomes like that mask you can't take off your skin. Faith. So if like someone asked me about my relationship with Christ, if I just, if I ignore him and don't tell him, it, it does no good. And pride in the LGBT community. I think it's also important to like, look at these people and say like, they did that. So mm -hmm. like, I can do anything. Like, my sexuality isn't going to hold me back. Every conversation I've had on the show has taught me so much about the future and how the young people of today have ambition and goals to make that future a better place. Hi, I'm Paul Satchwell, the host and creator of Big Mood. Since the day I started this podcast, I have firmly believed that the young people have an immense passion for change, the people around them, and for making the world a better place. I believe that the young people are talking. My question is, are you listening? Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, how What's are up? we? All right, um, as you know, we are at Big Mood. Are we excited? Please yeah. answer. Yes, I thought yes, so. Yes, we're excited. All right, my name's Allie. I was on episode four which was learners get learned and I talked about education which is something I'm super passionate about and I think it's awesome that not only students but also now educators get this platform to talk about what we're passionate about yeah and I'm Jennifer I was one of the first ones to be on big mood and it's the so first. cool the first the poster child um, it's great just to see what this has happened like we're doing a live show and that's so awesome mm -hmm. and now we have merch which you should go buy some and it's awesome because not only are students now on it, we have teachers, which the new episode today just came out with one of our favorite teachers, uh, Mrs. Lacey. So that's great. Um, yeah. Yeah, so thank you guys for coming. We have some awesome guests. Yeah. And we're really excited for you to hear what they have to say. So I'd like to welcome out the host for tonight's event. Yeah, um, the man himself. Mr. Satchwell. Yeah. 
For coming. This is awesome. I figured that I would have to add a laugh track afterwards because there wouldn't be anyone here. So that may still happen if you don't laugh at my jokes, but at least I know that there were people here. And I'm so thankful that you are here because about eight months ago when I started this project, I knew that I wanted a live event. One, just because it's cool. Like, look how cool I look up here right now, right? But two, Podcasts are so much fun, and I think that one of the things that I, I love about teaching is being with people, and so this is a lot of fun for me to have you here tonight. So thank you for being here and for helping me make this uh, a reality. I also want to say thank you to my volunteers who are almost 100% uh, students, and so if you came through the lobby, you saw all their smiling faces, whether they were greeting you, um, handing you things, trying to push merch on you, uh, which is really awesome, so you should buy some or um, whether they were just holding the door open for you, um, almost all the students who are volunteering tonight have also been on the show. So I really love this Big Mood tribe, this Big Mood family. This kind of formed has been really cool just to see them, um, I don't know, just flourish. So I want to thank them. I also want to say a quick thanks to uh, Batesville High School and to the Batesville Area Arts Council and also to my friend Michael Zinafantos for um, just donating and giving me their time, resources, uh, and facilities to make all this happen. You know, I'm going to give you guys a pop quiz because I'm a teacher and that's what we do, right? So I want you to fill in the blank, okay? Okay? Okay, thank you. Big Mood is a podcast about for yeah, everyone, everybody. I probably say it different every time. I don't really know what it is either. So it's a podcast about teenagers for everybody. And so I really do believe that this next generation, Generation Z, is a generation that is powerful, that has uh, incredible potential, and that has the will and the passion to do amazing things. And that's really what's driven this podcast. And, you know, as I've grown as, as a teacher and as a young professional, I've really noticed a, um, an interesting trend. And that is that as each, uh, each generation comes into its own, so um, Generation Z and uh, my generation, the millennial generation, as they have come into their own, um, the generations above them uh, kind of become pretty judgmental of the young people, right? And I think we're all kind of victim to that. And I think that does something uh, pretty harmful to those generations. And so I think that what happens is not only do you become doubtful uh, and kind of cynical that these young people have potential or you see things in the news and you say, well, we never did that. So not only does that happen, but I honestly believe that that causes us as older generations to kind of like predict failure for them. And I find that really hard to swallow because if we're talking about the future and if we're, we're trying to make the future better, I mean, it really starts with the people who are going to, who are the future. Right, and so that's my heart behind this show. And so I really think that Big Mood is my attempt to show what I see every day from these students and to really let the world uh, in. And so I'm so excited for tonight's conversation. Uh, this show is going to be great, and uh, I just want to break the fourth wall a little bit. Luke, did you press record? Thanks. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? An hour, an hour goes by, and I'm like, guys, you guys have to stay for another hour because we're going to record it. Uh, thank you. All right, I can stop sweating now. This show's going to be great. 
Batesville Community School Corporation uh, Superintendent Paul Ketchum is going to join me up here along with two BHS students, uh, Adam Badel and Sierra Belter. And I chose these guests because of their reputations, because of their passion. I see it in them and I see them as leaders. And, you know, there's this great quote about how, you know, the revolution will not be televised, but it will happen in the classroom. And I truly do believe that I, I see, uh, I see, I see that happening. And so I really want Big Mood to be a platform for my guests tonight to share how they see that, how they are participants in that, and how um, we're just changing this world. And so I'm really excited to bring you into this conversation. So please join me in welcoming to the stage Paul, Adam, and Sierra. Well, thank you guys so much for coming. Um, unfortunately, I think I used up all our time, so that's actually the show. Thanks for coming. Um, thank you guys. Do you guys just want to tell us, uh, would you just give us uh, kind of who you are and, and what the heck you're doing here? Yeah, so my name is Sierra. Um, I'm a junior at Batesville, and I guess I'm here because one day uh, I was waiting for drama practice, and Mr. Satchel came up to me and said, hey, um, you like speaking in front of crowds. Do you want to do this? And I said, that sounds like fun. So, yeah, that's why I'm here. I'm Adam Badel. I'm a senior here at Batesville High School. And I am here because Mr. Satchwell talked to me in my creative writing class one day. He saw me working and he said, hey, Adam, uh, I've got this cool project I've got in mind. Um, do you watch Big Mood and, or do you listen to Big Mood? And I said, a little bit, yeah, sure. <laughs> And then he said, well, would you like to come on an episode, except not a normal episode, a live show? And I said, okay. <laughs> My name is Paul Ketchum. I am a superintendent here at Batesville Schools. And, and Mr. Satchwell is, is kind of embodies what I look for in a teacher. At, at Batesville, we talk about leading and investing in, in, in each other. And, and, and Mr. Satchwell does such a great job just leading kids in the classroom, investing in kids, and building relationships. So I'm excited. Uh, that I told the backstage here and Adam that one thing I miss about being a superintendent is I don't get to see kids very often. So when Paul asked me to be a part of the live show, I said, absolutely, excited to do so. So thanks for the invitation, Paul. Awesome. Yeah, I'm so glad you guys accepted. So what we're talking about tonight, guys, is we're going to talk about school culture. And we're not going to talk uh, super long. It's, it's going to be kept pretty brief. But really what, we're, what I'm interested in learning from you guys, and hopefully you guys can glean something uh, from as well, is how do we, you know, from students to teachers to administrators, how do we create not only a positive environment for, for learning, but also just for, for all students, for the kind of the shifting and the changing student demographic that we see. So my first question for whoever would like to take it uh, is just what does a positive learning environment look like to you? Okay, I'll go ahead and answer this. Um, so I think to me, a positive learning environment is a mutual understanding between students and teachers. So say a student is having a bad day for whatever reason, we've all had those days. Um, a teacher recognizes that and they go and they say, hey, what's wrong? Um, what can I do to help? I think that is super beneficial in a school setting to know that you have a teacher that cares about you and not just one, but maybe several teachers. So I think definitely knowing that you have people in the faculty that care about you and want the best for you, that is unmatchable. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Sierra. It's one where you can go out and find someone that you can trust. One where you know that every day when you come to school, 
the teachers you have teaching you and the teachers that you have even down the hallway, they care about your success and they care about what you think and they're not just there to <laughs> make money and as for a job. <laughs> no, is it my perspective as a superintendent, obviously when you talk about safe schools, you, you automatically go to you know, uh, danger in, in the school as far as active shooters or drugs or anything, but I worry a lot more. I worry about social, emotional. I worry about young kids with anxiety. I worry about kids who don't feel safe and just don't feel comfortable in the school setting. So for me as a superintendent, probably the most important part of a, a safe school is having a staff who truly cares about kids and build a relationship with kids. And just as Adam and Sierra talked about, there should be someone in this building that you feel comfortable to go to talk to. It might have been about your weekend, you had a bad day, whatever the case may be, but building relationships is probably the first step to having a really safe environment for students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, relationships are so important, and I think that um, you brought up an interesting point, um, just of you know students dealing with so much that maybe was either under the radar or wasn't wasn't happening uh, in previous generations of so much anxiety and stress and, and even depression. And I'm curious for um, maybe Sierra or Adam, is that something that you see uh, from your classmates is, is experiencing those kind of intense emotions throughout the day? I mean, yeah, you absolutely see that. And I mean, you get the sense that it's something that's just our generation or maybe more prevalent in our generation than ever is people going through mental health issues, people with anxiety, depression, people who just don't quite want to be at school that day. And it's really a unique new circumstance that I don't feel like most schools are equipped to handle, or at least they're going to need to adapt to try to handle this new problem that's growing. Um, so yeah, I, I know a lot of people that are dealing with things like this every single day. And um, like I said, it's so important to have teachers that you know, like if it flies under the radar, like you said, it can be really, really difficult to miss. Mental health is often something that people don't outwardly manifest because they just, they wanna hide it or you know, it's just something they don't want people to know. So having a teacher or teachers that you can trust and you know that you can go to no matter what your circumstances is super important. And I think that, like I said before, that's just unmatchable in a school. Right, and, and Adam um, said something earlier about, you know, we want to make sure that, that our teachers aren't just showing up for the money, which I can assure you most of us are not. <laughs> um, but it, it is... It that, was, is that was funny. <laughs> it was funny. That was, is that going to laugh track? Yep, laugh track. <laughs> there will be a stand-up set after the show. So, um, and, and I think, like, even for me, like, I really value relationships, but some days it's just about getting the work done. And some days I go home and, and I almost feel guilty because I'm like, well, I did my lessons, but, like, did I talk to this student who I know is going through something, or did I, did I say every student's name? Because if I didn't, they were not acknowledged in my class, right? So that's, it's, it kind of factors into that aspect of relationships and, and how much responsibility, you know, not only you guys have with, with checking in with your peers, but how much responsibility we have at, at our level to, to not only get so focused on the work and the scores, but also, you know, the human beings who, are, who we interact with. Well said, Paul. I think sometimes we forget. I, I never do, but you know, teachers are the professionals that create all the professions, and it's important for teachers to feel supported. And I take a lot of pride in making sure teachers and administrators have what they need for those very, very reasons. You know, I talk about we have 180 opportunities. There's 180 days in a school year to impact lives and really move the needle. And again, credit to Mr. Satchwell and, and the staff at Batesville High School and our other schools. Uh, but to piggyback on your question, though, I think. 
high-performing schools have to be fast and flexible. And sometimes we're, we lag on needs. And, and again, the social-emotional needs that young students, K-1-2 students, we're really trying to catch up and give them what they need. Uh, schools, fair unfair, are becoming more and more parent-like. There's a lot of resources and things we need to provide for students that maybe 10, 15, 20 year, years ago, schools weren't accountable for or didn't have to do, but it's the right thing to do because we want, we want our young students to grow up and be productive citizens and be awesome like Sierra and Adam and, and have great lives and be productive citizens. Yeah, so my next question off of that is, so what does that look like? How do, what is the best approach to creating an environment where we're starting to see those needs being met? You know, from, from your perspective, guys, what, you know, what, what do you see, uh, what do you see teachers doing that is helpful or could be more helpful? I think definitely providing opportunities and making sure that students know that they are cared for no matter who they are, no matter what they're going through, no matter like what their identity is, that they are cared for by every single teacher in the school and that they have a support system, you know, if they don't have a support system maybe within their friend group or at home or wherever their, you know, social group is, that they have that within the school somewhere. And of course you have to remember that a positive learning environment, well that's only half teachers. The other half is the students and how can the students help other students and as teachers, as our leaders, how can they say, how can they make us into better people, more outgoing people who are more supportive of our own classmates? Um, it's not just the teacher's responsibility to go to school and to try hard and try to engage with the students. The student needs to come and show responsibility and not just apathy. Yeah, that's a great point, Adam. A lot of times as an old, uh, old coach, you talk about the, the leaders in the locker room, leaders in the hallway, you know, do the right thing when no one's looking. And a lot of times, great schools have great student leaders in them, and, and they're not afraid to lead by example. And we talk about that at Batesville. Well, our job is to, to create leaders, and whatever that role may be, uh, be a leader in, in that role, whether it's being in the Greece play or on the football team or teaching English. Uh, be a leader and do the best you can do. So well, well spoken, Adam. Uh, again, just... We want to create an environment, a culture where kids can grow. I believe this firmly. Culture outperforms programming any day of the week. You can go watch a video. You can go to another school. You can see how people do things. But if you don't have the, the fabric, the DNA, the culture of, of expectations, and I know sometimes kids are like, we don't want to have rules. And, and, but there needs to be expectations. But there needs to be communication. Students need to be heard. And there needs to be those boundaries. But again, room for error, and that's always a balancing act for uh, teachers and administrators and students. Yeah, you know what's fun about that word expectations is it's actually in the title of today's episode that got posted this morning, Setting Great Expectations, which you can stream on your phones when you leave here um, <laughs> if you're interested in doing so. Um, I stole an idea from my friend Andrew Cameron, who is here volunteering, thank you, um, that I think is, is just a fantastic way to, to start setting this environment in a classroom right away. And it's, it's something like the democratic classroom where you have three goals. What is a, what is a good teacher look like, a good student, and a, and a good classroom? And, and you really just kind of go, you guys have been through this, haven't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think you came from Mr. Cameron to my room, and I was like, we're going to do this new thing. <laughs> Uh, and we did it, and, and it was great. And really, it helps us set expectations. We, we list out all these words, and then we pick the most important. Um, and it's just a great, like, it's a great reference point, right? When you're almost to spring break, and you're like, all right, guys, we've got work to do. You guys said good students are hard workers. I need to see that today, right? So even just giving ourselves reference points, even just simple words or slogans, it's so helpful for me in my classroom culture. 
Yeah, I think that's super important to set expectations right away because how is anybody going to be a good student or a good teacher if they don't know what people are expecting of them? So to know every day what you need to go into, it may be just in that specific classroom, you, what you need to go in to do to um, make that day great and to get something out of that experience, I think that that just needs to be set right away as soon as, as, soon as maybe on the first day of school. Yeah, I completely agree with Sierra. The clear pre-established goals and expectations set for the student really help them know what they need to bring into school that day and what they should expect from the teacher that day as well. Not just, oh, I need to work hard, I need to try my hardest, but also I need to be accepting, understanding of other students and what may be going on in their lives and also what might be going on in my teacher's life right now. Why might they not be engaging with the students as much and how can I help that and how can I change this environment for the better? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, someone said this to me one time, and I was like, well, that's not true, but it's, it's turned out to be very true. You know, people like rules, or they at least like guidelines, and I've seen that in my classroom of, you know, like, instead of saying, if you don't meet this, you're getting this consequence, uh, which is sometimes necessary, but really saying, you know, if you meet this goal, we're setting this goal for today's class, and if you can meet this, we're going to be so proud of you. You know, this class, we're all reaching for the same goal. Let's reach this together. And that I've seen change so much because there's, it removes the shame factor, right? And it removes, if I don't get this, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to disappoint Mr. Satchwell, you know. And instead, it, it said, okay, we're going to climb this together. We're going to, we're going to do this task, and, and we're going to be proud of our work. And I've, I've really seen that shift to the culture. That's a great point. And, and as an educator who's been around for a few years, I, I think the Fear to disappoint is probably more powerful than the fear of a punitive damage for students. And it goes back to if, if a teacher invests in a student, they don't want to disappoint that student in setting clear expectations and boundaries and not so much lecturing at them and telling them what not to do, but giving them tools and empower them, empowering them to make good decisions and make choices. But I love the phrase that you go back to, hey, what do stu good students do? They work hard. That's a great kind of re recapturing people's attention. And that's a great lesson plan, so good job, Andrew, for, Andrew, for letting Paul steal that. <laughs> so my question, shifting to more of kind of focusing on this generation, Gen Z as a whole. Um, generation Z spans, there's all kinds of different parameters, but really spans from the, the very late 90s, like 98 to 2000, to really the current year. So um, you guys, I would say, are, are kind of on the earlier end of the generation. Uh, and then student, you know, kids being born, you know, in the past couple of years are on the late end. So it's pretty broad reaching. So for, for you guys currently, or for this, this group of Gen Zers, what are some of the, the primary problems that you think uh, you guys are kind of up against? And I'm curious how those problems potentially impact school. Well, I think the biggest problem facing Gen Z today is kind of a feeling of low expectations have been set for us. And I've feel like I go to school and people say that, or you hear this kind of general, this feeling, this vibe you get from older people or from people you might know in the community who they say, or they just generalize you, they stereotype you all into one group of Gen Z and they look past the individual level and they just say, oh, well, you're this young kid, who knows what you're ever gonna amount to, but I don't know. It's, I don't know if that's just unique to our generation or if you had felt something similar when you were growing up yeah, and I kind of mentioned that before, um, before you guys are out here about how I feel like, you know, previous generations almost consistently, I feel like it, through history, doubt the generation after them. 
And I think that that's just, I think that's almost human nature because it's kind of a cop out for us, right? Well, well, at least we weren't like that, right? <laughs> and I think that's something that, that makes us feel good and it's easy to say. And so it's, it kind of sticks, I think, in, in the DNA of our culture. So I think definitely one of the biggest problems that we face is dealing with the problems that the older generations are leaving behind. So we are having to deal with a lot of scary things right now, whether it be you know, school shootings or you know, like environmental issues. A lot of that seems like the older generations are like, well, we're not gonna be alive really when that becomes a huge problem, so we're not gonna deal with it. I got to see a polar bear, so sorry about your <laughs> yeah, luck. Yeah, sorry, if, if they're extinct, that's not my problem. I, don't I um, also think that's a big strength of our generation though, is that we feel like we've had these problems dumped upon us, but that's not something that's really an option for us to dump onto the next generation. So we have to look toward, not just for ourselves, but we can also look generations down the line, look toward our children, our grandchildren, and how we can make this world better, not just for ourselves, but for them. And I think that's definitely something that's shared by a lot of Gen Z, is not just looking in the current, looking in the present, but looking down the road, looking down the future. You know, sometimes we forget about the power of perspective, and when I listen to young adults speak about what they're, they're concerned about, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I feel like, hey, it's, they're gonna be, it's gonna be their turn to kind of keep things going for the next generation. But I think, and I just use my professional career, my perspective as a teacher changed when I became a principal, when I became a superintendent. And as we get older, the, the generations before, ahead of us get older, our perspective changes, and sometimes we forget, for lack of a better term, what it was like to be that age, or, or, or in our mind we think, well, that's not that, that, that's not good, that's not good. But a lot of times I'll reflect with my, back with my wife, and we're the same age, and she'll say, you used to do dumb things too, Paul. I'm like, well, okay, let's keep that on the down low. So again, <laughs> perspective is, we wanna, we wanna give kids fertile so soil, we want them to grow. That's our job as educators and adults. And I'm hopeful, I'm excited for the young future to kinda take the, take the baton and run. Sierra, did you have any other thoughts? Um, yeah, I just was gonna build a little bit off of what Adam said and say that, um, I think that a lot of, he said, you know, it's a strength that we have that we have to deal with this. And I agree with that because it's like, we have these low expectations and maybe no matter what we do, they're gonna, you know, older generations are gonna continue to look at us like that. But these are all things, these are things we all have to deal with. This doesn't just impact, you know, a specific group of people. We're all, you know, living on this earth. We're all going to school. So this is something we all have to deal with collectively and that can kind of unify us um, as we sift our way through these low expectations. Yeah, which, which I love that word unity because I think that a lot of the stereotypes of, or one of them of your, your um, generation is, you know, everyone has to be unique and be their own person, which, which I think is true and, and I think is a good thing, but I think that even with that, that individuality, you still are finding threads of unity through, through who you are. Yeah, that's, that's a skill set. I, I always use the phrase, are you a unifier or a divider? And you may can apply that to any group of people you're around. And, and unifiers go back to lead. Unifiers will lead in tough situations, and dividers will look for flaws in people and use those against those. So again, as, as an old, the old guy on the stage, we always want to leave behind those little tidbits about, hey, are you unifier or divider? Leaders are unifiers. So again, I, I, I'm, I'm confident. I think you guys are going to be okay. I hope so. My Social Security's not paid off yet, so <laughs> you guys got to get a job and take care of me later on. <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay, well, 
Um, talk all right. about the merch. Is that when there's an awkward pa pause? You talk about the merchandise. Yeah, I do have merch in the lobby. Uh, I'm not selling coffee cups. Also, uh, I don't think I I gave a shout out, but um, we have a, a special guest here who designed this awesome artwork for my uh, album. Maddie Chambers, who's a junior here, uh, isn't that awesome? That's me. That little guy is me. Yeah. Yeah. The only remark I did have her change the hand that the watch was on because I am left-handed, so. That's just me being crazy. Can she do one of me and put a little more hair back here? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. She can try her best, Paul. <laughs> it takes a lot of ink. <laughs> it's a lot of work. No, I'm kidding. Okay, so we've listed a few problems, okay, but no one came here to be a downer, right? So what are schools doing? And, and we can even talk about our school. I mean, I, I think our school's doing great in a lot of these areas, but what, are, what do you see schools doing or what can schools do to help address some of these worries and problems that our students are coming in with every day? I think here at baseball, we really just have such a great group of teachers that are really willing to, like Mr. Ketchum said, form relationships with students and just go out and try new things, not sit out in the rut and not sit and be the same old teacher they've been for the past 20, 30 years, Mr. Shook. But, uh, <laughs> Love that guy. <laughs> but um, really being able to go out and form personal connections, I think that's the biggest thing that teachers and students can do. Yeah, students have ideas, a lot of ideas. Um, and I think that something I've seen consistently is that they listen, to, teachers listen to students' ideas. And that is something really, really cool because it gives us an opportunity to do things about these issues because people wanna do things. We don't just wanna you know, sit back and watch you know, the world burn. Like, that's not. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that, Sierra. Yeah. I'm really glad. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But I think that like, something that I actively see being done is teachers listening to students and allowing them to set up a club, set up an event, do something so that we can actually have an impact because we want to. Yeah, I think in the classroom, again, I talk about shifts. There's been a shift in pedagogy about student-produced work. I think that's realistic in our professional careers is we have deadlines, we have to collaborate, we have to have a product at the end versus just regurgitation, right? A teacher, when I was in school, would lecture for three weeks. You had a test. If you did well in test grade, if you did poorly in the test, tough luck, kid. You know, we lost three weeks of instruction. I think now teachers do a much better job kind of bell ringers, exit tickets, formative assessment, where are you at, how can I help you learn better, kind of almost uh, friendly, uh, customer friendly to, to students, again, with those expectations and accountability, but how can I help you learn today? And, and not say, you know, uh, the question for me as a principal is, you know, I walked in the classroom, you know, I'd say, well, I, I taught really hard today, and my first question is, but did students learn? And that's always a, a thought and a shift again. And when you have student input, student interaction, you know that the students are learning. Yeah, you know, one thing I love about our school, and I think one of the things that makes it unique is that it's cool to be passionate about something, you know, and it's cool to do things. And I remember when I first got hired here, I learned, you know, yeah, our football, we have so many football players come out for the, for the musical, and I'm like, is this high school musical? Like, what school is this? Because we're, when I went to school, no one, like, wanted to do those things, and so... Like even today, our academic team, we, we sent, we're sending, what, three teams to state? And there were kids running through the hallway. Miss Grimsley was whistling and everyone was <laughs> freaking out because our, our students are achieving and people are excited about it. And I just think it's, it's giving students the freedom to know that it's cool to care is going to benefit them and it's going to benefit society greatly as they move on. 
Oh, and that's something that Batesville just does so well, is it's not even just the students and the teachers, but you also see it from the administration staff. You see it from, I'm personally friends with the janitors and the lunch ladies and Officer Abel, all the coaches, the drama directors. I mean, it's not just, it's the entire environment. It's not just individuals, but Batesville as a whole has done a really great job in that area. Yeah, and I think that it's, it's worth, worth mentioning that, that Batesville is Batesville, right? So we are in a very, this is, this is a great place to work, but I think that it's also important to acknowledge that like a lot of students don't have the privilege of attending a school like this. So if, if you're speaking into students maybe who are listening, um, and the, the many people who do listen to this podcast, by the way, um, <laughs> if you're speaking to any of them, uh, I mean, what would you say to them if, if they're listening and they're like, no, I don't have that support, I don't feel that way. You know, what can students do when, when maybe they're the ones, or, or a teacher who's listening, what can they do to, to start to be that person in that school? I don't know how good of advice this is, but I think what I would do is just don't stop. If you have an idea and you want to do something and somebody discourages you and you don't seem like you're going anywhere, don't, ju don't just stop. Because, I mean, you're just letting a good idea go to waste and you could be making a huge difference that you don't even know. And um, as for teachers, if you don't see any of that support in your school, be that support. Because students need that. Whether, whether they think that or not, students always need that. You know, one thing, if I could wave a magic wand for all students, I, I just wish they could be them. And what I mean, I feel like so many times young kids try to be people they're not. And that's when they run into trouble, make bad decisions. And again, it goes back to such a caring staff. There's so many opportunities for things to do. Just be you. If, if you can just be you and be comfortable with who you are, you're, you're awesome. You're, you're, you're a good person. You have something, some talent you're going to bring to the world. And sometimes our talents come to the surface later in life. It not, might not be when you're 15 years old. So again, just be you and, and take all the opportunities you can to be involved. Academic team, congratulations, by the way, to those three teams going on. S absolutely, sports, arts, theater, archery. I mean, we have uh, so many community partners, BAAC, the opportunities they give us, Kiwanas, and just go on down the list of all the community organizations who want to invest in you and see you successful. Just be you. Yeah, well, with encouragement like that, it's no wonder why this generation has such a stereotype for being all individuals. Everyone wants to be different than everyone else. When you hear some praise like that, like, go be your own person, go join the drama club, go join the football team if you, that's what you really want to do. It's no wonder that we're all so unique and so different, but yet so unified in so many ways. Yeah, and there's a lot of power there. Um, one thing that I want to bring up that, that gets brought up all the time with your generation uh, is, is social media. And so I'm just curious, um, how, how is social media, from all of our perspectives, how is it impacting you know, education and, and kind of that learning environment? Is it, is it benefiting it? Is, it? is it detracting from it? How is social media a factor in this learning environment that we're trying to cultivate? Well, social media is like not, not part of all of high schoolers' lives, but pretty much for the most part, all of them. Um, whether it's, you know, they see things, you know, from other students or they're directly on social media, it's pretty much part of all of our lives. And a lot of us go home, we get on social media, we look at what our friends are posting, we look at what, you know, the world is doing. So I think that, you know, including that in what we do at school, which I know we do, like, really awesome here, is we include social media in, you know, the school day and, and there's a lot of posting, um, through our school accounts, which I love, because it allows students to engage in a way that they're familiar with. Because 
I mean, I've had social media since the fifth grade, which is a long time, but like that's what I kind of grew up with. So that's something I'm super familiar with, something I'm really comfortable using, and for the school to use that as an outlet is a great, great, great way to reach students, I think. Yeah, there's definitely also, though, a level of apprehension about social media that I feel. Some people see it and they're hesitant to say, oh, I feel like that's going to hurt the kids. I feel like that's going to hinder their student learning environment. But from, from my experience, it has not been that way. Social media has only ever been a tool to help learn. And I think that that's going to be a shift you'll see here in coming years as more and more teachers switching over to using social media more as a tool and less as something to be feared and something to be banned in schools. Well, you know, again, generate perspective. Generational social media, social media is new to the older generation. And, and to Sarah said, that's all that our younger kids know. They know life with social media. Full disclosure, social media makes me nervous. And I am a Twitter-aholic. I'm yeah, out of control. Yeah, I was going to say, Twitter. that's interesting it coming is. from <laughs> you, Paul. <laughs> By the way, catching Paul. No, I'm just kidding. So, yeah, yeah Twitter. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> I love social media because I can learn so much and I can connect to people. With that said, social media can be a dangerous tool for young students. You know, kids talk about, I'm going to block you, I'm not going to accept your friendship. It kind of opens doors sometimes that weren't there 20 years ago. 20 years ago, kids went home from school at 3 o'clock and they could catch their breath. They could get away from things. And now social media, it's 24-7, 365. And that concerns me a little bit. Again, I love social media. I'm on it too much. But again, it's just like anything else. If we ignore social media as a school and as parents, it's not going to go away. So it's about responsible social media usage and, and what that looks like in a, in a parent's life. And I think sometimes, I'll put my parent hat on, it's okay to tell students put their phone down and, and read a book or go outside and play and do all those things. It's about a balance. And I think right now my, my fear is I don't want this generation to the balance to swing too far to. We're so tied into our social media, it's all we know. I think it's the pendulum needs to maybe swing back down. Again, I love social media. It's a great way to connect with other professionals, to promote good news, promote events. But it also, it also scares me because it does open windows and doors for students who may not have that opportunity to interact with other people. Yeah, that's definitely a fair point. When you look at social media, you don't always just see people as they really are. You see people as they want to be seen. So you might get a false sense of reality of what your student body's doing or what your friends are doing, and that can really lead to some weird consequences. Uh, people who are not comfortable with their own body, not comfortable in their own skin, because all they see is fake images of other people, fake videos of other people, and people out having fun all the time, and they think, oh, why isn't that me? Why can't I be doing that? I think it can lead to a illusion about the way the world is. Yeah, um, I think that social media is a lot a way bigger deal than it needs to be. Um, a lot of times you hear, oh my gosh, this person didn't follow me back, which even for me is like, can be a huge deal because you know it can be embarrassing, it can make you mad, it can make you upset. It shouldn't be that big of a deal, but it is. And obviously, like Mr. Ketchum said, there's a lot of challenges that come with social media. Um, Cyberbullying, that's just like a whole new door that was open that was never there because, I mean, the tools just weren't there, but now, you know, things, it's harder to trace, you know, when kids are being bullied. So um, I don't have a solution, but yeah. While there are a lot of positives, there are a ton of negatives as well. I, I know this, Paul, it hurts when my wife leaves me on unread. She just hurts. Yeah. 
Again, the, the I, 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 say that, I say that jokingly, but again, that is kind of that passive aggressive, like they left me unread. And again, you're like, okay, what's that really mean? And that, again, so again, social media presents some challenges, but again, it, it is a wonderful tool when used correctly. Yeah, the bubble pops up, and then it goes down, and then it comes up, and you don't want to be in the conversation when you get the message, because then you leave them unread, so you have to swipe out really fast. It's just a whole big thing. Um, I, I think that that's so true, and I think, Adam, what you said about, you know, like social media can very much be distorted reality, so it's interesting how our students are, are going home, and they're seeing this distorted version for however long they're on it, and then they carry that in their mind into reality at school. So they're seeing this version of their peers, which isn't totally accurate, and they're projecting it onto the actual physical people who are in the room with them. So it's really, I think, messing with how they perceive each other and then, again, how they perceive themselves. But I think, I think you know, positively, I have found, especially Twitter, to be a tool where I can, can engage with students in, in a, a, a professional way and, and really just let students kind of see, you know, sometimes I try and be funny. Normally it flops, but it happens to all of us. I try to be funny or I'll tweet something, you know, that I'm passionate about. And, and that kind of, you know, sometimes I'll talk about my passions in class, sometimes I don't. But I know that students who follow me on social media will see that. And I think that that helps build that relationship and that credibility. So I've seen that be a big benefit for myself in terms of social media within the school. Are there any um, kind of final thoughts tonight as we begin to wrap up? Is there anything that you think is left unsaid? Anything else that the three of you would like to bring up that we have not touched on? I, I want to congratulate you on, on an outstanding show. This is a, I didn't know what to expect when I walked in. I thought it was just going to be a table with some bar stools around it with a little microphone and come and see production and see students running lights. And congrats to you, Paul. And how you started January? Oh yeah, I started planning this. I was telling Paul, I'm like the most type A person ever. I take after my mother who is here and I just outed you as type A, but it's a family trait. Uh, yeah, I started planning this. So I started the podcast in about August and then a few months later I was like, we're going live. So I started planning this event quite a while ago, yes. It's awesome. Which I read somewhere maybe 4,000 streams? Yeah, 4,000, so, almost five, yeah. Okay, there you go. And I think yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Great job. Yeah, super cool. Love the fact that you're empowering students, giving students a voice. That's, that's powerful. Yeah, I just want to say to be asked to come up here and to like get to directly give my input to not only you and Mr. Ketchum, but like all the teachers that are going to watch this from our school, from other schools, whoever, um, is awesome. Because it's like who, who gets these kinds of opportunities to just sit down and talk about problems that we're facing and how we can deal with them. I just think that's great. Yeah, Mr. Setchwell, I, like Mr. Ketchum, didn't necessarily know what to expect coming into this, and it's really an amazing experience, and here's to hoping that that 4,000 or 500 streams is, sounds like a ridiculously low number to someone listening to this in three or four months from now. Yeah, that'd be awesome. If you guys want, you can just start looping episodes while you're sleeping and get the, that count up if you would like. I'm not saying I've ever done it, but it, it, it has happened. Um, no, I have not. Uh, so thank you guys so much for coming on. Before we wrap up, I'm going to ask Allie to come back up. Allie uh, wants, to, wants to do something with us. I did ask. Okay, I was trying to make it like, okay. Exposed. Okay, cool. So Allie, I'm going to hand you my mic, and you can take it away. Okay, sorry to out you. I didn't mean That's fine. Okay, so I have some lightning round questions. Some of these are like deep, and some of them aren't, oh, aren't that deep. They're really not that deep. Okay. So, Ali, are we just blurting out an answer as fast as possible? I guess. What do you guys think? Or do we want to just go? Do we just want to blur it or like go in a line? No, let's like first person. Yeah. Okay. My first question is, what is something you wish you did in high school but never did? Ooh. 
I mean, I'm not the most athletic person, and I wish that I would have started earlier, so I wish that I would have played tennis, which is not an exciting answer, but like, I wish I would have been more active. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Anyone, anyone, anyone else? I wish I would have paid more attention in class. Fair enough. That's a good answer. Okay, and, okay, cool. Next. Okay, this is like a two for one. These are like two important questions I need to ask. One is pineapple on pizza, and then the follow-up is crunchy or smooth peanut butter. Well, um, crunchy. Oh, no, no pineapple on pizza and then smooth peanut butter. Yeah, yeah, I have the exact same answer. No, yeah. I'm taking this mic away from you. <laughs> pineapple on pizza with banana peppers, oh, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, and, and crunchy. No, those are the worst okay. answers you could have. All right. Before take it one step further, though, we want thin crust or thick crust? Thin. Uh, that's like a, that's a you thing. I think you need to work. Uh, I don't know. It's not as controversial. Okay. You know? yeah. It's got to be pineapple. <laughs> I, like I don't know, both. I'm a thick crust gal, but like, we can talk about that later. If that's yeah, Ali, do you want to answer be, a question? Thicker thin crust. Mr. Satchel, your Twitter poll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Twitter yeah, yeah. poll <laughs> Okay, this next one we've done in uh, Satchel's class, but what word best describes you? Servant leader. Student? <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. I am student. <laughs> <laughs> I would say passionate as well, Sierra. Yeah. Oh, fun. Well. I love that. All right, um, let's see, number four. This is one generally wants me to ask, so this is really important. If you were on death row, what would your last meal be? Skyline chili. Skyline? I don't know. Wait, what from Skyline? A oh. uh, large three-way with habanero cheese with a side of curly fries. Beautiful. Not curly. Okay, I would have a bagel with cream cheese, grapes, and a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> That's beautiful. I'd, I'd go guilty. I'd go quarter pounder with double cheese on it. Solid. I will take DiGiorno over delivery any day, so I'm going to go with a frozen pizza, the whole thing, just folded in half. Okay, I love that. Right. Wait, any toppings or just like a cheese? Yeah, cheese is good. Okay. No pineapple. Um, no pineapple on that one. This is life or death. Okay, my last one is, what is your favorite podcast? Big Mood. That's she. That's she. <laughs> <laughs> Silence. I would say the Batesville Community School Corporation monthly podcast, but yeah. it's, it's, it's it, like that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't compare to the big mood. So big mood. Yeah, for we sure. Love big mood. I gotta agree. Big mood. Big mood. There you go. I want Satchel Sansa. That's gonna make me sound weird because I love listening to murder podcasts. I know and you so do. I don't know. <laughs> like, um, uh, there's a great one called True Crime Obsessed. It's about true crime, two love comedians. That. Yeah, but I do. I mean, I do listen to my own episodes. I mean, call me vain, whatever. I mean, you gotta like prove them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's true. We're, I should have we'll said that. that. Yeah. All right. That's all I have. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Allie. You're so welcome. All right. Let's give Allie a round of applause, you guys. Thank you so much, Allie. Well, guys, that is about all the time we have for tonight. Thank you so much for coming. Um, I just wanted to thank you for being here, for helping me make this a reality. And um, don't forget that you can grab some merch out in the lobby. And also, you should get a piece of paper with a direct link to the podcast, or you can stream it wherever you listen to, to podcasts. Let's give these guys one last round of applause. Thank you for coming. You came into my life, and the world never looked so bright.